Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure i will talk about it so that i don't have to see it again or whatever so in a way our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine we wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap we had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I am joined by two guests. If you can guess who they are, you win. Uh, no guesses. None of you win. You all deserve to be incinerated. Uh, I'm joined by Michael and Alex, my good friends. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Uh, not dead. <laughs> nah, not dead. Not incinerated. No. Um, very good. I generally like to start off with what's your favorite movie, but what I'm going to do is uh, what's your current favorite movie? Or, or what's the most recent movie you've seen that you really, really like? I have to say the most recent movie that I've seen that I really, really like. Uh <sighs> Honestly, I doing a movie podcast, you'd think I'd watch more movies that I really, really like, but I really don't have any. So I am going to say uh, the last one that I saw in theaters, uh, which was very long ago, which was Hereditary. It's probably my it favorite most recent. Yeah, it's probably my, my favorite most recent movie. Actually, no, I lied. I saw Midsummer after that, but I still think Hereditary is better. Uh, I will say the most recent movie I've seen that I really enjoyed was The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Ooh, that's oh. that's one that I need to watch. Definitely. Very good. Highly it's, recommend it's it. It's on my radar. Uh, and then Michael. Uh, last movie I watched that I really liked was Ip Man. Very good kung fu movie. That one was very good. I, anything yeah. with Donnie Yen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. I completely agree. And that was Donnie Yen the movie. <laughs> Basically. Uh, so today, uh, we are talking about a movie. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read you a, uh, a synopsis here. Here we go. One of the biggest badasses in history goes searching for a red herring, but discovers that the real prize was all the Comanches he killed along the way. It's The Searchers, 1956, directed by John Ford, starring John Wayne. This is, uh, for me, I feel like this is just one of the biggest oversights, because I grew up watching John Wayne films. Like, these were like... Like, other than, like, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, like, it was Star Wars, Indiana Jones, John Wayne. That was what I grew up watching. And this is probably, according to, again, this is just critically acclaimed film. It was one of the 
first five or so movies to ever be put into the Library of Congress as culturally significant. And uh, it's frequently hailed as one of the best Westerns of all time, if not one of the best movies of all time. So for me, it's kind of a travesty that I've never seen it before. Uh, do you guys have any sort of thoughts on it? I think you guys are coming blind into this. Like, what's what's your history with Westerns? I'm a big Western fan. Um, I mean, I... They weren't such a prominent part of my childhood as they were for you. That that niche was filled by uh, Toho era Godzilla films. Um, That's also solid and somewhere that I kind of need to like because I've seen some, but I need more of it in my you, life. You always need more Toho era Godzilla films. <laughs> Westerns are something I've come into more uh, probably in like high school and college. Um, I started watching more of them, you know, just Django, a lot of the, like, the neo-westerns, like No Country for Old Men. Um, also solid, yeah. I would, I would definitely, it's, it's, it's questionable, but yeah, I would count that as a western, for Any, sure. Anything that's based on something written by Cormac McCarthy is, <laughs> would you to be... Is the road a western? Uh, yes. <laughs> you know what, fair point, I, I'll allow it. I'm not gonna lawyer you on that one. <laughs> I'm not going to rules lawyer you on that on that no punctuation having motherfucker. You don't need punctuations when you're Cormac McCarthy. You just you're you've risen above them. I like how and again this is a weird sidebar, but I I did take a writing course when I was in college, and one of the the books that we studied was Cormac McCarthy. Like we, it was The Road, and then No Country for Old Men. We read those, and it was like. It's like, how does Cormac, and I always ask my professor, I'm like, how did Cormac McCarthy just fucking get away with this? Like, how? And he's like, I don't know, he just did it, and then people liked it. Like, he was the one who did it, and then, he, and then like, when, when a couple people who were huge McCarthy fans, like, were just like, I want to do this too, he's, nah, you're not going to get away with it, you're not Cormac McCarthy. So that motherfucker, like, I swear to God, he... I, I don't like him just for the simple fact that he can fucking get away with it. And, and no one calls him on his bullshit. I, you know, uh, I took multiple creative writing courses in college just as one of the many, many courses I took that had nothing to do with my major. Because why would you? Um, and the way my professor told it to us is they're like, once you once you're really good, then you can just start not following the rules. <laughs> once once you're good enough, you don't have to follow the rules anymore. And that's truly been an inspiration to me in all walks of my life. <laughs> just trying to get good enough at something so that oh no, officer, I'm really really fucking good at this. The rules don't apply to me. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's called being a politician. <laughs> oh, uh, Michael, your 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 thoughts on westerns or your your experiences with them? Um, I have a really bad habit of not watching westerns all the way through. I generally see the cool gunfight at the end and walk away satisfied. Um, as far as John Wayne is concerned, The Quiet Man, it's a great movie. That one, fun fact, that was actually one of his favorite films he ever filmed uh, alongside wow. The Searchers. I believe uh, Those two were his favorite. Um, but yeah, Quiet Man, very solid movie. Mm -hmm. If you like The Quiet Man, uh, let me throw one at you for John mm -hmm. Wayne. Um, have you ever seen uh, Donovan's Reef? I have not. It is, so it's basically post, you know, it's like one of those, like all of these things, it's post-World War II, John Wayne was a soldier in the, the army, uh, and he just ended up like 
marrying like a local girl she died and now he's a bachelor living on this island uh and lee marvin is in it uh and he's always drunk starting fights uh there's this whole like weird thing where like i guess his estranged daughter comes out to like meet him and it's just it's wacky it's him living on an island and them trying to basically pull the wool over her eyes because she works for like this big company that's going to try to like like basically i I don't remember the exact plot now but it's basically like Ah, uh, hey, we're like we're trying to pull the wool over her eyes so these bad things don't happen to us. We can just go on living our island life. <laughs> it's really great. It's it's sort of off brand for Wayne, but it's a really fun movie. Lee Marvin's amazing in it as always. Um, there's a lot of fist drunken fist fights. They make fun of the Navy a lot. It's great. <laughs> they also make fun of like the Australians, which is also great. Uh, hashtag Australia doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's great. So I'm gonna throw that recommend out there okay. for you. So basically, we've got the the uh, you. So Alex, you're you're more of a you know you've kind of come into it on more of the modern end. Mm-hmm. Michael, you're just like I don't really watch a lot of westerns, no. but they're cool. They really are. Uh, and then me, who's like ah yes, I've grown up on these. This is gonna be a good discussion because I, again, huge blind spot. So I'm gonna go ahead and get into trivia on this because I think a lot of this is really fun. So we'll see. We'll make a game of it. Since we have two guests, we'll see who wins this trivia. The winner will not be incinerated. (laughs) What if we tie? Uh, Unfortunately, you'll both have to be incinerated. (laughs) And I'll have to find new guests for the podcast. (laughs) Oh. So, any thoughts on, again, because you guys, before I do this, any thoughts on just the searchers in general? Like, you guys really, like, do you even know what it's about? Just curious. No. Uh, Your description of it is the most I've ever known about it okay cool well my description was the 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 i know nothing about it and i'm basing it on the very little facts that so i know a lot more about it but i'm like if someone just kind of had surface knowledge of this movie and never seen it what would they say which that's pretty much the truth so basically the the plot of it to give you guys an idea is that john wayne former confederate soldier as you do when you're john wayne as john wayne does moves out to texas with his brother uh as you do after the civil war is over and you lose uh you go out to texas you live on the farm with your brother you go out one day you come back and the entire place is destroyed by indians and his six-year-old niece has been kidnapped and the whole movie is basically like i think it's five or eight years somewhere in there of him literally just searching for her and being dark and brooding and ruthless to everyone he comes across especially indians um and then at the like basically there's you know and then things happen yada yada the end so that's the movie are you sure this is an uh, John Carter? Because it sounds very similar. Potentially. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are actually a couple surprising things in here in the trivia, so I'm going to get into that, and it oh, yeah. may, may spawn discussions uh, about such things. So first, what band wrote a hit song after being inspired by one of Wayne's catchphrases in the movie? Was it A, Buddy Holly and the Crickets? Was it B, Jerry Lee Lewis, or was it C, Chuck Berry? I'm going to go... I'm going to go Chuck Berry. Okay, so you're going C, Chuck Berry, Alex. What about you, Michael? I don't want to pick the same answer because I really don't want to get incinerated, um, but I'm afraid he might be right. I will still go with Buddy Holly and the Crickets. I don't think that's right, but I'll Uh, go with it. Well, Michael, you are one step closer to not being incinerated because you are correct. It was Buddy Holly and the Crickets. It was actually uh, the song That'll Be the Day. Because in the movie, John Wayne will frequently says, 
That'll be the day. Uh, and they were he like they loved the line so much that they just made a song about it. You know, I I love that song. Never knew that. Yeah, uh, I also love that song and never knew that either until I was again looking through the trivia and like, huh, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, it's it's weird to think of that you have all these movies because this was such a big cultural phenomenon that actually like Buddy Holly, he was a like Buddy Holly and the Crickets big band from back then. Yeah. Unfortunately, tragically, you know, died uh, in an airplane crash they along were with incinerated. Uh, they were incinerated. Oh, shoot. They failed the trivia. Uh, they did <laughs> fail the trivia, unfortunately. Uh, but like, it's weird yeah. that you think of these old movies having such a cultural impact and just not like movies. Like, yeah, people were inspired to write songs about them. Like, I, I don't know, like, I feel like that happens more now. Like I don't know yeah. what what what's what are your guys' take on that? Because I I'm not super plugged in. Like I'm a huge music dude, but like I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I feel like it happens more now than it did back then. Am I am I off base on that one? I feel like a lot of the times, like movies or or songs are written for movies. And sort of inspired by them in that sense. There's a lot of really good ones. If you're so inclined, I think it's it's a, the one Rick Ross did for Django to keep it back in the westerns. Uh, I think it's like Hundred Black Coffins. Um, I guess it does happen a fair amount now. Although I guess back then you did have musicals too, more musicals than you do now. Yeah, I mean we could I could have a whole discussion about music. Uh, movie musical adaptations and uh, the death thereof. <laughs> you know what we really need, though, in this whole thing? And this is one thing I did notice, and I'm like, I think we want to do more of these in the future. Uh, we just need to watch more Bollywood films. Because I've watched a few, like, I've watched a f- like, recently I've started watching one or two, and they're really fucking lit, fam. They're, like, they're fantastic. I love their complete disregard for reality. They, they, there's no physics that actually exists other than, is this cool? Then yes. Can anyone break into song at any point in time and have an amazing voice? Yes, also. Bollywood films, to me, are, like, a, a very fun sort of, like tipsy D session of where the the dm is just like you know what fuck it sounds cool roll for it let's see what happens i that's probably the best description of bollywood films that i've i've ever heard of like it's just like yeah it's just an off the rails D session and i i absolutely love that description yeah and i'm i'm here for every second you know what all of my campaigns that i write from now on are just going to be bollywood films I'm, i can't <laughs> wait uh half of you are going to have to play bards and if you actually you're gonna have i'm gonna make you physically sing Yes. Did you know, fun fact, uh, third edition uh, D&D uh, codified that you actually, if you played a bard, you had to sing if you did bardic inspiration or the GM should not allow it. Good. Oh, man. We should bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> or you I'm, have to sing or play the instrument that you are going to play as a bard to whoa, do bardic inspiration. I'm, I'm cool with that. It, it, that's a good reversion to where we're like... Really getting into the spirit of the game. Yeah. Uh, as a result, I'll never play a bard because I am talentless. <laughs> play the barbarian, but also make it a rule. You have to go into a rage. See, I'll do that one. I'll just start <laughs> punching people at the table IRL. <laughs> just, just start punching drywall. <laughs> just have my monster in my hand. Just punch drywall. <laughs> go, go full Kyle. Full Kyle. That's going to be my character named Kyle. <laughs> God, we, we've gone off the rails real fast here. We're talking about <laughs> much, Westerns. Much like a Bollywood film. <clears throat> oh, shoot. 
which I feel like Bollywood films are just westerns, really. At the at the heart of it, all the ones I've seen have been really just westerns. Yeah, honestly. I don't that. But yeah, with more music in them. Yeah, I, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So uh, we're 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 one zero here. One Michael, zero Alex. Uh, one step closer to the incineration. <laughs> so question number two. For all the marbles here. No, I'm just kidding. There's actually a couple more questions. John Ford made a point of hiring real American Indians for his films, with certain exceptions, such as Henry Brandon, who played Chief Scar in the film. Uh, As a result, he was honored by the Navajo for bringing them employment. They gave him what nickname? Was it A, White Brave, B, Pale Chief, or C, Tall Leader? I'm going to go Tall Leader. So Alex, you're locking in C, tall leader, and feel free to answer the if you even if you feel yeah. like it's like you know like you can answer the same thing as him if you if you think so they don't feel bad because obviously this is multiple choice. So what, what what do you think? Is it A, white, brave, B, pale chief, or C, tall leader? I'm liking pale chief. Pale chief. Okay, so you're gonna lock in pale chief. Well, it is tied up because it was tall leader. Oh, uh, no. So yeah, uh, John Ford actually like. As, as much as you, like, it, it is kind of, like, weird because you have, like, that problematic, like, you know, hey, there was a lot of genocide that was going on here, and a lot of this maybe was retaliatory, and they might have been justified in it. Based on the, the actual, like, um, uh, thoughts of the day, like, I feel like a lot of the attitudes of John Ford of just, hire, like, trying to do that was actually quite... Uh, pretty like, forward thinking. Honestly, forward honestly. thinking, yeah. Yeah, progressive for the time. It was very progressive. action before affirmative uh, Exactly. Uh, one, one, one little bit of trivia, too. John Wayne also, during this film, he also garnered a nickname, and I don't remember it off the top of my head because I didn't write it down, and I'm bad. Uh, but it was, um, I think it was uh, I, uh, lar- uh, Giant Eagle Wrangler because he had Last an airplane. Giant Eagle. Yes, no, but he had an airplane that he always had with him, and one of the uh, Navajo girls, like a small child who was with them as an extra uh, on set, uh, got pneumonia, and so he actually had his personal pilot fly her like hundreds of miles to the nearest hospital, and eventually, and actually saved her life. So he was actually revered on the set too because he, you know, flew her in the giant eagle to the to the hospital. Which again, weirdly enough, you think like, oh, these old these these old guys were like, I mean, they were probably fairly racist, which honestly they probably were. Yeah. But really, like, that just kind of goes to show you that like, yeah, maybe they might have been pretty decent human beings after all, even if they might have been kind of backward thinking. Like it's kind of weird to it's, think uh, about. It's a little, a little bit of both, you know? People are just varying shades of gray. Yeah, know? pretty much. F- Fifty of them. Cool. So, <laughs> yeah. So we're we're uh, we're we're one for one here on incineration. So we'll, we'll go into the next trivia here. So question number three: Actor Ward Bond had hopes of courting actress Vera Miles while filming The Searchers, in hopes of attracting her. He would do one of the following: Was it A. Walk around naked in his motel room near the window with the blinds up uh, because his room would face hers? Was it B. He would have John Wayne feed him pickup lines a la Cyrano de Bergerac outside of her hotel room. Or C, he would show off his rope skills by lassoing extras and bragging to her about how tight but gentle his knots were. (laughs) All of those are great options. I I, I choose option D. He just tipped his fedora at her (laughs) constantly and just said, m'lady. He didn't wear a fedora, you piece of garbage. (laughs) This is a Western. His 10-gallon hat and just said, m'lady. His Stetson, please. His Stetson, Uh, (laughs) 
but yeah, so A, walked around naked, just let his dong hang uh, for her to see. B, uh, had John Wayne Cyrano de Bergerac him. Or C, tell him how good at bondage he was. Tell her how good at bondage he was. Man, all great. One of these is the actual answer. I'm going to have to go with the nudity, number A. Number A. Letter A. Number A. Number A. I'm, I'm going to go with the, the Western uh, Japanese uh, rope bondage. <laughs> you would go with the rope bondage. I uh, would, wouldn't I? Well, Michael has gotten it right. He would just, in hopes of attracting her, he would just stand in his window naked and hang dong. I like it. Like just, <laughs> just a just a retro version of sending a dick pig. It really like it really was. So like like that's the shit like that you would see in this constantly because like some of the other some of the other trivia was like you know how they cast the main female the main female like love interest lead in the movie? She walked in to the to the uh to the set and John or into a tent with John Wayne and uh John Ford and John Ford looked at her and just said, all right. And then John Wayne stood up and then just picked her up off her feet. And then he looked back and said, yep, she's the one. And then literally put her down and she walked out, never having said a word. She this terrifying, like six foot four man comes up and just picks her up. And is just like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Because clearly she's like the damsel in distress. Like I feel like you like... As much as, like, we joke about, like, the casting couch stuff that happens now, which, again, is kind of, like, I guess it's a worse version of this because that's relatively tame. Like, auditions were wild back then, man. (laughs) That makes sense, though, because it's a Western movie you expect, especially with John Wayne just knowing of him. He's John Wayne. He's larger than life. He needs a damsel to save. Yeah. And what better way to measure that than by just picking her up? Yeah. (laughs) I'm just imagining him, like, picking her up, and he's like, yeah, I could do this for, like, 60 takes. <laughs> <laughs> also, fun fact about John Wayne, he he would always stay, like, in character between takes. So, like, if you tried to talk to him about, like, stuff, and I didn't know this about him, too. Like, I thought he was just one of those guys who was, like, he was just always the same as he was in real life. But, like, he actually would just really hard stay in character. So, like, if you tried to talk to him about something, like, when they were filmed, like, the end of the night... Fine, he was he was out of it. But like apparently he was like between takes, he would not respond to his real name. Like <laughs> that's hardcore. So yeah. he was he was the original version of uh Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. And not quite that hardcore. Uh, not quite, but he was he, he laid the groundwork. I fear that in this role, Daniel Day Lewis uh, would probably just go off and just start killing Indians, frankly. He, he might actually. Uh, he might have done that. Honestly, he might have done that for Last of the Mohicans, too. Well, not Indians. Uh, well, white people, but you know, yeah. whatever. He, he I'm probably sure, murdered some I people. I think Daniel Day Lewis probably has bodies. He, yeah, he's he got a body to. count, for sure. <laughs> For, especially episode. for his character in uh, in Gangs of New York, uh, which he actually uh, he became a licensed butcher in New York City. I, I didn't know that one. Yeah, yes, he practiced butchery. Yes, <laughs> which is again, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Everyone, uh, I think we're probably just going to mention him on literally every episode of this until it just becomes not funny, which it will never not become funny, <laughs> or until we get him to to guess to do a guest appearance. Yes. So for so right now on the incineration, it is Michael two, Alex one, a chance to tie and both be incinerated. For the last question. I'm taking you with me. What television series had its finale heavily influenced by the ending of the searchers? And by heavily influenced, 
Um, very, 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 like, almost an homage ending. Was it A, The Sopranos? Was it B, Breaking Bad? Or was it C, Deadwood? It was one of the three. Having not seen this movie at all, but I have seen the end of Breaking Bad, I'll go The Sopranos. <laughs> I, I have seen, I've seen the finales of Breaking Bad and Sopranos. Um, I'm going to go with Deadwood. You're going to go with Deadwood? So, A, Sopranos for Michael, and and C, Deadwood for Alex. Michael wins because you both got it wrong. It was actually Breaking Bad. Oh. Uh, Vince Gilligan, when he wrote uh, the ending, he was like, yeah, The Searchers is one of his favorite films of all time, and he was like, I want the ending to be very similar to that. And so, basically, the it is a very similar feeling to the ending without you guys having seen it. Now, I haven't actually... I've seen the ending, and it's been a while for me have seen, having seen the end of Breaking Bad. I didn't quite like Breaking Bad. Well, that's kind of a lie. I kind of skipped a lot of the middle and then I saw the finale, but whatever. Um, because I, I just I just couldn't get into it. It was just one of those ones where I'm like, I know I should like this, but I don't. And it's just weird. I love the first season. The first season is like one of the greatest first seasons of any t- TV show of all time. But the ending was just for me, or like the ending for me, for me on it was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense based on what the trajectory of the first season was. So whatever, I don't really need to see the rest of it. Uh, but it was actually um, uh, Breaking Bad. Yes, I'm going off to the ovens now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, so it's it's so that, that would be something to watch for when we when we break to watch this. Is like, yeah, you know, hey, we can talk about that, how similar it is, how similar it isn't, yeah. like what, what he took and what he didn't. But it is basically base, uh, pretty much an homage to the ending of The Searchers. Um, and that'll, that can kind of give you maybe a... More of a point of reference for where we end yes. up in this movie. So the other thing, and I had mentioned this, that I kind of wanted to bring up. So um, so with certain exceptions, John Ford did hire Native Americans uh, to play the roles of Native Americans. In this film, he did actually have uh, Chief Scar, who was played by um, Henry Brandon, or Henry Brendan, I should say, sorry, uh, who was a, a German Jew, blue-eyed German Jew, you know, as you, as you do when you hire Indians. Uh, Ford's justification for that was when when Brandon was like, you know, I get passed up for this role a lot for these kind of roles because I have blue eyes. Why'd you pick me? He said, because the exception is always more interesting than the rule. So he basically wanted to make him like basically be a really weird like standout like villain, which I find really interesting as sort of a philosophy in this. Like it's not really he's not trying to be authentic. I mean, I guess we can get into it like. Because we kind of did a little bit. Like, is he is he whitewashing there, or is it maybe I don't know. Like, because a lot of this is, and and also in general too, because we're kind of glossing over the fact that yeah, maybe some of this was justified on the Indians' parts, you know. Yes. And I say maybe because you know, obviously every circumstance is whatever different. But these old westerns, like some people, like with a lot of the cancel culture that we have right now, can find these things problematic. I don't know what's what's your guys' take on that. I think honestly, like whatever it's a movie like it's meant to be entertaining uh, that's kind of my thought on it like i don't know what do you guys think about like about that like i mean should we even care honestly or even talk about it because it really is kind of bullshit to me my immediate reaction on finding out he was german jew is i immediately think of mel brooks character in um the western um, oh, uh, Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Saddles. Yes. Yeah. When when Mel Brooks plays the uh, the Indian the, chief, the Indian chief, <laughs> and uh, instead of speaking like you know Navajo or whatever, they're, they're just speaking Yiddish. It's <laughs> fantastic. 
That's that is <laughs> it's, definitely. It's all it's tying a bow now. I'm seeing the cultural references. <laughs> yeah, I I do love that that cameo where it's like yeah like which is actually funny too to bring it up because one of the things in here is like they have a they have a scene where they have a war dance where they have the Comanche like war dance and it's actually a Navajo like squaw song that like they they sing when they're like like picking like or doing washing and picking like uh, vegetables and stuff it's sort of absurd in a similar vein where it's yeah. like yeah they're they're like you know what this is i think mel brooks was kind of more making fun of that sort of yeah. aspect of yeah. like we're just going to like we're going to try to get things culturally light right but we don't really care that much and mel brooks is just like aha here you go <laughs> we're just going to be yiddish now yeah Indians are Yiddish. <laughs> back to the, the question that you actually asked. Um, I will say uh, art is a product of its environment. And uh, films especially so. So, yes, I mean, you know, it is not as progressive as we would like in our modern age. However, I will say, you know, as you pointed out, um, Ford's decision of hiring actual you know, Native Americans to play Native Americans is, you know, especially for the time that this movie. Was, I was surprised, was filmed. By it, frankly. Yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction. Well, and it was and it, not not just for this film. Like it, it's just that the more like his insistence on doing it generally, and that that he was very revered by the Navajo for doing it, is actually like kind of actually surprising to be honest. Because I thought because Ford is generally, uh, like. He is characterized by everyone who he works with, who's ever worked with, as an evil fucking prick. More so because he's just a bastard to everybody, uh, with the exception, weirdly, of John Wayne's oldest son, Patrick, uh, who he was, like, always nice to. But everyone else that he ever worked with was just, like, I think um, uh, it was uh, Brandon, or sorry, Henry Brandon who played the, the bad guy in this film, because who, who was actually a Shakespearean, like, like, oh, a like trained classical actor, trained, classically yeah. trained. Uh, Ford would make fun of Shakespeare the entire time just because. And he would just be, like, cons- constantly be a dick about, like, you know he didn't write those plays. It was all Sir Francis Bacon. <laughs> like, <laughs> Shakespeare was just a pen name. And, he, and, like, and like and it was just all of that shit and just constantly make fun of him. And he was, like, to quote Henry Bre- Brendan, he was, like, John Ford was the most evil bastard I've ever worked with in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, which, considering that, it's actually quite surprising. And and he actually treated, like, uh, other than Patrick Wayne, uh, he treated most of the natives fairly well. Like, okay. considering all that, it's actually kind of surprising. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, uh, sounds like an interesting character. You know, or, you know, an interesting person. I definitely, there's like a couple of, um, there's a, a documentary that I want to watch about for, it's called Print the Legend, mm-hmm. um, which is based on the line from, I don't know, if you, have you guys seen um, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? Uh, no, that is a, that is a blind spot for me. Yeah, oh God. John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, Lee Marvin, uh, Lee Van Cleef, like, it's got all the big names. It's a, an amazing film, very dark for the basically for the time like kind of like searchers is dark but like this one's like dark and ends kind of depressing Mm. but there's a big line in it where where they say you know when when truth becomes legend print the legend 
Okay, I've heard and that that's, line before. That's the line. That's the famous line there. And that was sort of his sort of idea where he's sort of a larger-than-life character. The documentary kind of goes into a lot of that, and I really want to see it because I've never seen it. But it, or, or I think it's a documentary and a book. But I, I would be fine reading or watching either one. But he's a very interesting character. Um, with And I think like every human being, it's just going to be like, it's just more complex than like what it is. But I think if you take the movie at face value, yeah, it's probably like... It, I, I wouldn't say, like, a lot of people would say it's problematic, but I'd just say, nah, dude, just, it was the product of the time, like you said, and just fucking enjoy the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're gonna, you have to have a bad guy no matter what you do. Like, I'm sure Germans have probably gotten tired of Nazis always being the bad guys. If you have a German accent, like, man, you're the bad guy. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> to talk of Westerns, uh, I know. Like that was that was one of Christoph Waltz's big things of why he wanted uh, Doctor his character of Doctor Schultz to be who he was is he was kind of tired of being cast as the bad guy because he had a German accent. <laughs> That's I didn't know that. That's actually kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's like he's like no, I want to be a German guy. That's a good guy for once. <laughs> I don't want to be a Nazi. And then he turned around and he played a Nazi for Tarantino after that. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it all came around. <laughs> it's it, it's all full circle. But yeah. man, Christoph Waltz is just such a good bad guy. Like, he really is. My God. <laughs> yeah, like him, like Michael Shannon, and, you know, a, f- a few other actors. Like, just instantly, just such good, they're really good at being bad. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Now... Uh, let's, let's, before we get down to the brass tacks, any other final thoughts on John Wayne's The Searchers? Like I said, it's, it's just one of those huge blind spots for me that I, I, for me is unforgivable. For you guys, understandable because, like, you got into it, like, Westerns later. But what are your thoughts on it? Any other sort of thoughts, takeaways on The Searchers? Um, I'm excited for this one. I've been having a kind of nostalgic kick recently, and this is I mean, 1956, you said? Yep, 56. Okay, so not hugely long ago, but long enough ago to be, like, in the past for a lot of people, especially as far as movies are concerned. Um, And I haven't watched a lot of Westerns all the way through, so... I feel like we're gonna... I feel like... And this is just my gut reaction here. um, I feel like you're probably going to ruin a lot of Westerns for yourself by watching this one as, like, one of the main ones that you've watched first. Oh, no. Um, As far as, like, my experience with John Wayne Westerns go, yes, he is always John Wayne in them. But the plots have always been relatively varied enough to be like, this is actually still pretty interesting, I feel. Mm -hmm. Like, um, one of uh, uh, John Carpenter's favorite uh, Westerns Mm -hmm. uh, was um, Rio Bravo. Uh, starring uh, John Wayne and Dean Martin. But anyway, it was him, and then it had, like, Yul Brenner, or not Yul Brenner. I'm um, sorry. Um, God, I'm just mixing all these things up. But it had a lot of, it yeah. had a lot of, like, characters in it. Uh, um, John Carpenter actually cites that as the greatest movie ever made. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, which, uh, I think it's Howard Hawks directed that one. Um, so there are definitely a lot of Westerns, and it's, it's completely different than this, than this movie. It's a different feel. It's a little bit more of the comedic sort of side mm-hmm. of things with, like, it's sort of like a, a mixture. So, yay, we, you might be ruining yourself with this because it is such a, a classically revered movie. But then again, at the same time, like, I feel like even though John Wayne always plays the same character, basically, there's such a, uh, that there's enough diversity that I think you could at least not spoil yourself. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm actually going to, because I do love these movies, I'm going to say that I'm going to give myself, uh, I'm going to rate this 
tentatively at a five of five snake pliskins, the rare five of five. Um, because I think that honestly, I am just really just going to enjoy this movie, knowing what I know about it and just everything surrounding it. It's just going to be a fun time to me. I think. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? I, I like westerns. I I love the genre. I have not watched a ton of John Wayne's. I usually lean more towards uh, Clint Eastwood. Fair. Yeah. The, the spaghetti western man. Yeah. Yes. I you know spaghetti man. I, I love me some pasta. You know. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to this. It's, uh, I think it's going to be good. Uh, I'm going to rate this... I'm going to rate this four. Four out four. of five Snake Pliskins. Four out of five. Michael. Okay, what do, I... What do you think? What are you thinking? I did say I'm nostalgic, but I'm worried that I might not be in the mood to watch a Western now because I'm on a Kung Fu kick more than a Western kick. So I'm going to say I might be watching it at the wrong time. 2.5 snake plus Oh my goodness. Okay, so here, I, I'm gonna, all right. 2.5. I'll give you, you know what? I'm gonna give you a soft transition here. Mm-hmm. Watch Kung Fu. The show Kung <laughs> the Fu. The show Kung Fu. Have you ever, have, no. Alex, have you ever seen the show Kung Fu? The show Kung Fu? No. Yeah, starring David Carradine as a wandering Shaolin monk throughout the, the West. <laughs> so basically, it's literally just a Western drifter like okay. show. Like, yes. kind of think, um, like bonanza but more like serialized like they're moving yeah. from place to place or something like that that frame of reference like um uh gun smoke or uh or <laughs> or uh the rifleman starring chuck connors yeah. it's that premise where they have all these subplots but it's david carradine as a shaolin monk who just travels from town to town solving problems with pacifism and then eventually his fists Okay, it's I, I'm here for it. It's you know? really good. It might be one of the best. Like, it's one of my favorite. Like, sort of crossover genre shows of all time. It's very good. So, if you are wanting to have a nice soft transition from kung fu to western, I would definitely recommend uh, kung fu. Okay. Appreciate. It's that. very good. Uh, so, anyway, so we've got all right. So we've got five of five, four of five, and two point five of five. All right. So we're going to adjourn, watch the movie, uh, and come back and let you know how wrong we were. Except for Alex, who will be incinerated, unfortunately. I will not be here next time, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, so just me and Michael. See you guys after the break. sorry i won't be back for christmas again this year i set pencil aside in the hope you are enjoying good health and your folks the same i remain respectfully yours truly martin Pauly. that which we are about to receive we thank thee O oh lord why don't you finish the job what good did that do you why what you preach none but what that commence believes? Ain't got no eyes, he can't enter the spirit land. Has to wander forever between the winds. You get it, Reverend. If I hear that from you again, I'll fight you, Mr. Edwards. That'll be the day. What if you'd missed? Never occurred to me. I saw Lucy, all right. She was wearing that blue dress that she what was... What you saw wasn't Lucy. Oh, but it, it was, I tell you. What you saw was a buck wearing Lucy's dress. I found Lucy back in the canyon, wrapped her in my coat, buried her with my own hands. Did they, what was she? What do you want me to do, draw you a picture? Spell it out? Don't ever ask me. Long as you live, don't ever ask me more. 
I say we do it my way, Ethan, and that's an order. Yes, sir. But if you're wrong, don't ever give me another. I hope you die. That'll be the day. And we are back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. Uh, I am back again with Michael and Alex. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Uh, We just finished watching The Searchers, uh, the John Ford classic starring John Wayne. Just to reiterate, I I went into this thinking I would be a a nice 5 out of 5. Alex, uh, you were at a 4 out of 5. And Michael, you were at a a solid but not very whelmed uh, (laughs) uh, 2.5 out of 5. Snake Pliskins. Before we really get into it, what was sort of the, the general, your general thoughts about the movie itself? Uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't really think much of it, and I mean that at face value. I did not like this movie. Oh, I know that you said that you were like, you didn't think you were going to like it because you're in a kung fu movie, mm-hmm. like, kick. And, like, you didn't think that Western, the Western was going to do it for you. Uh, before I sat down to watch this movie, I really psyched myself up for it which is not hard to do um if you tell me i'm going to get candy at the end of something i will be excited for it and i said at the end of this movie there will be candy there actually was no candy at the end of the movie i lied to myself so maybe that was part of it um but i i was ready to watch a western i just wanted to watch a good one (laughs) Ooh, strong words wow Uh, alex that is an opinion i i came out of this liking it even more than i thought i was going to i thought it was just stunningly beautiful and uh you know i thought all the characters were really fantastic i i loved it okay i i think i came down from my opinion just a tad uh but not much so we you and i alex are probably about on the same page like i came down from my like okay perfect five out of five and I think the reason was because I think it ended in such a way that it just didn't feel quite right for it to end that way. Because they were building to this this sort of crescendo. And then it was just like, oh, well, you know what? Like, hey, John Wayne's the good guy. Nothing bad can happen to him. All right, let's let's just move on with our lives. And And I think the other thing, too, the pacing of it a little bit in the middle where they had sort of like that. And John Ford does this. I don't know how familiar you two are with a lot of John Ford stuff, but he does a lot of like Irish vaudeville sort of like, oh, these guys are having a wedding or a party or there's a song or something in the middle of it. Not like a full-blown musical, but like it seemed normally that goofiness is like, oh, yeah, they're like this makes perfect sense in the context of the movie, right? Um, But in the context of The Searchers, which was a very dark film, uh, at one point – you all but see John Wayne scalping an Indian. Like, it's, it's like, right there almost on screen, which is, for this day and age, like, almost unheard of. But I think it left a little bit to be desired as far as the character arc at the end. I think the character arc was great with the, um, uh, you know, like, the... Uh, and I don't remember his name now for some reason off the top of my head, but um, basically the the character arc with the, you know, his, his sort of like young companion there. Uh, Martin. Who, uh, Martin, that's right. Thank you. I slipped my mind. But Martin, it was basically a really good arc for him, I think, more so than anyone else. And then his, his like, I guess, girl back, back on the ranch and, and all of that. And, and John Wayne had an arc, and I think it fell really flat. And I think that it was sort of punctuated not well by that sort of 
John Ford vaudeville style sort of like intermission. That's my sort of like take on it. Having seen a lot of these things, uh, a lot of, a lot of Westerns of a similar nature, a lot of John Ford's, but you're right. I think it was beautiful and stunningly shot. I don't think you could, you can say like, there were some shots in here. I was surprised by that were just, I don't think I've seen more beautiful shots in a movie. And I've seen a lot of beautiful shots in a movie. Uh, like even like like the like the opener where it's just like the silhouette in the doorway and they're mm. like panning backwards and it's just really good. So I'm gonna come back to Michael because this is the more interesting thing. I think Alex and I are just gonna sit here agreeing with each other for like <laughs> yeah. however long. What was it specifically that you didn't like? So the opening of the movie, I was getting really excited. It starts off very well, introduces all the characters very excellently, I thought. And I was getting really excited for a good old-fashioned Western with some just fun characters and little interesting tidbits here and there. And even like the music that they use to introduce the characters. Like Martin shows up and the music immediately changes pace because there's a little bit of tension between him and John Wayne's character, who was clearly John Wayne. Um, like the music really sets the mood for the characters. It's this nice kind of pastoral thing up until Martin shows up, then it takes a turn. Um, and then we're going to skip ahead to the point where they're chasing down the Indians because the Indians have burned down, um, the farm and killed a bunch of people. Uh, very sad. I'm very disappointed. I'm like, okay, there's going to be this really cool chase scene. And they're building it up. There's these beautiful shots of what state are they in? It doesn't matter. It's beautiful. I think it's like Texas or New Mexico, one that of the two. That sounds right. That's They're right. like in the western part of Texas or eastern New Mexico. Yeah, because so yeah, I, I think in the movie they refer to themselves as Texicans. Yes. Mexicans, and they, I think they do actually go into Mexico at one point. Okay, yeah. So they're in that very southern western part of Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, they're building up this huge great chase. They've got the posse together. And there's Indians on either side of them. And you can feel the tension that you can cut like a knife. And then they start to chase. And I am so excited for the upcoming gunfight that turns out to be they run across the river, they sit in one spot, and they just shoot. Nothing exciting happens. Indians fall over randomly, and then they just leave. That was the ultimate tease in any Western that I have ever watched. I have never been so disappointed. Like, it was, if you hadn't built it up like that for me, like, I'm going to get some kind of epic fight, which is odd at the beginning of the movie, I will admit. If you hadn't built it up for me with that, with the mood, and they're just staring back and forth at each other, everyone knows what the intent is here. It's to shoot each other, because that's what you're getting ready to do. And then you just like, eh, okay, we're done. All right, let's be angry now, let's be upset, and let the Indians go. It was a little bit, so, and that was kind of one of my pacing problems with it, mm-hmm. because again, I think that that was a really good sequence that sort of ended a little bit flatly for me. Uh, but I think that the character tension, I think I brought it like what, where mm-hmm. Alex was talking about, the character tension was that like they were just trying to essentially, like John Wayne's out for blood, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he would be fine dying as long as he could kill as many of these Indians as he could. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them clearly were not in it for that. They wanted to find the girl, get her back, and bring her home. She wasn't there with them, right? Mm-hmm. It was This was a war party. They want to survive. So I think it was the... If you look at it from that point, if you look at it from a character standpoint, it makes a lot more sense in the context of the movie. But if you look at it from the... This is going to be a heckin' good chase scene and action sequence where a lot of people are going to die and they're going to like fight to the bitter end... 
yeah, I can see why that was disappointing because again, that was it's probably one of the best shot lead-ups to any kind of thing I've ever seen where it's like, yeah, they're just it's they're just side by side, like like at a trot, and then you just get this full-on dead sprint with horses, and then they get to the river, and then it's like shoot a couple times back and forth. A few Indians die, a couple of the one of the settlers gets shot, and then it's like, all right, well, one of our guys is, but that was sort of the catalyst, right? Was mm-hmm. that uh, one of the one of the posse got shot, and the rest of them, their hearts aren't in it, right? Yeah, they're just like, look, we've got land to tend, and we just need to get back to it. Look, these girls aren't here. We came out and did what we we're gonna do. One of our guys got shot. We're gonna go back. And I think that's that's kind of where it drives me to the the character building arc of just John Wayne's like ever deepening insanity, which I think you you touched on. But I think that, again, yeah, it's John Wayne playing John Wayne. I think the searchers, until the end, where, like, he has this weird, miraculous, like, change of heart, uh, essentially. He is just going deeper down the rabbit hole into madness. And you see it. Like, there's the scene where he's, which I guess is also politically relevant because the U.S. government is doing this, too, where he's, like, they're out hunting the buffalo in the snow. And, my God, that scene is beautiful. Like, where they're out in the snow, and they're just sitting there talking, and then they start, like, shooting at the buffalo, and John Wayne's going crazy, and, like, the and Martin tries to stop him, and he just, like, hits him. He's like, I'm gonna kill every one of those son of <laughs> bitches, and the Indians aren't gonna get any of this meat. Starve them out. Kill them. Uh, and it's like, and then later when he's at, like, the, like, the little, like, army base and like he he's like seeing like the 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 prisoners and he's like they're not white anymore they're indians and it's like (laughs) you just see this descent into madness that can only end badly and it's he does it so well surprisingly i think that's what surprised me the most is how dark it got uh throughout most of the film but then that's where it fell flat was because man I wish he would have at least died heroically, right? Like, man, he makes a sacrifice. It's like, you know what? A lot of people are going to die because of me. Maybe I still hate Indians, but I'm just going to save people with my death or something like that. Something of that nature. But then it just became like, oh, I'm John Wayne. I'm going to save the girl. And then everything's going to be hunky-dory. And my psychosis that has been building this entire movie is just, you know, it's going to go away somehow. Uh, And that's what I didn't like specifically. Um, Is there any part that you really liked on the uh, I really liked side the, of it? the wedding um the whole a lot of the movie felt like a bit of a sketch comedy for me at times when you know there's that huge probably like half the movie is the middle where they've started their search and then they're getting to the end of the search hence the name the searchers, searchers. um but you know it's it's broken up by these little comedic bits where it flashes back to the ranch and the love interest for Martin gets a letter and he didn't even say, I love you or how are you doing or whatever her line is. And it's kind of funny. And her parents are like, well, when are you going to get married? That's funny. I enjoyed that. And then, but really the only scene that stood out to me as memorable is the wedding where there's the fight. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. It's just, hold up, hold up. Somebody's fiddle. Yeah, that that sort of fist fight thing is the classic John Ford-like mm-hmm. scene. And again, I think that's what I'm talking about. Like, I felt like that just didn't... I liked it. It was mm-hmm. good. Um, and it just it, didn't it works better. the rest of the movie. It didn't, I, it, I think. Like, John Wayne's character, if you take him out of this movie, it's kind of a fun... 
uh, Find the Girl movie, but then you just shoehorn this John Wayne into there that doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie. He's the only dark part of the movie, and he's not even consistently dark. Like, he's laughing when Martin gets his Indian wife, as if that's funny. And then, you know, he's getting ready to skin the bad guy Comanche towards the end of the movie, and possibly even Natalie Wood. But not all of the time. He's, he's, I would say John Wayne plays an inconsistent character in this only for that. Like, I, I guess he is mostly focused on hating um, the Comanche, and that's pretty consistent, but it's, he's not really a dark character. I wouldn't call this really a dark movie taken all into consideration like bits and pieces of it yeah are super dark when they find the dead bodies of the women who have been taken um from the ranch kidnapped by the indians or i guess just the one woman who's died and they, the older they don't girl, even yeah. describe what they did to her because you know and that's horrifying and i thought wow this is gonna be a really dark movie if this is the tone we're taking and then it doesn't it just like jumps back into a lighthearted, we're at a wedding, we're having a fight, or I've got a bride on accident from the Indians because I traded them something, or he can't write a letter. It felt like too strong of a contrast for me to really call it a dark movie. I feel like you wouldn't like a lot of John Ford. <laughs> <laughs> That's a possibility. That is a distinct possibility. I'm with you, Alex. I really like the characters for the most part. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't agree with Michael, but I can see where you're coming from on it, to be honest. Like, it makes sense if you're looking at it from that context, honestly. Did did either... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out to you two. Have either of you seen The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? I have I not. don't believe so. So, we, I have seen it. It's one of my favorite old dark westerns, which is why I kind of thought I would like The Searchers. I think, in retrospect, I like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance a little bit better. Which I never thought I would because it was never one of my favorites growing up, but I watched it so many times. Like, I've seen it, like, probably 15 to 20 times. My, my dad loved it. My grandpa loved it. My, you know, all my whole family loved it. And it was, like, one of those ones where I'm like, I don't really want to watch that one. But, it, like, as a kid, like, it, growing up, like, being a kid, you want to watch the fun ones. Like, you, you want to watch, like, uh, the, uh, the sequel to True Grit, which was Rooster Cogburn. That was, like, a good one. Or it was, like, the, the non-canon, like, the non-book... <laughs> A sequel that was just a John Wayne version. That was fun. It had John Wayne, Catherine Hepburn. It was a comedy, uh, and he was still this old grouchy. It was like, it was like an old grouchy Rooster Cogburn, but funnier. But the man who shot Liberty Valance. I mean, it's got Jimmy Stewart. Uh, it's got obviously John Wayne. Uh, it's got Lee Marvin. Uh, it's got um, oh, who's the bad guy from all of the Sergio Leone westerns? Um, damn. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to give you a name, but rest uh, assured, I'm picturing him in my head. Uh, yeah, I God, I'm. It's it's going to drive me nuts until I think about it. But uh, I'm going to think about it here in like ten minutes. Like after we're done recording, I'm going to think about it. Yeah. But it's got all those people in it, right? It's it's a phenomenal cast, and it is the ending that I wish this one had because basically John Wayne dies at the end is completely irredeemed. Like, mm -hmm. as a character. Because no one knows any... But it's it's sort of an opposite thing where it's like, he's trying to do the best he can, but he... No one knows what he did, basically. That is that sort of thing. And it's better... Like, and Jimmy Stewart takes all the credit for all the work that John Wayne did. Jimmy Stewart gets the girl. John Wayne dies alone, like, an, like uh, alone as an alcoholic. And Jimmy Stewart goes on to become a uh, governor or, or senator. 
for the territory and be, bring it into statehood. Like it's it's this really good sort of arc with these two characters, and it is just very dark. It's got a lot of good comedic bits without breaking it up so horribly. Like I think happened in this movie it's more of a self-destructive john wayne than a dark john wayne it's 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 just one of those things in the man who shot liberty valance which i think you might like more Mm -hmm. i think you would like it too alex honestly i think i think it sounds up my alley it it really is very lee van cleef that's the name yes there you go yeah (laughs) there you go it's it's got all of them in it it's it's got everything um i i grew up with john wayne western so to me the whole john ford throwing in like a lot of vod like irish vaudeville comedy doesn't really um doesn't really bother me too much but in this one i was expecting it to be darker and it did and i didn't like where it ended up um as much as i thought i would that said i love the character arcs i loved the shots um I, i thought Honestly, really, if there was anything that underwhelmed me, I think it probably was the action. Because in this movie, like, if you're going to compare it to, like, Stagecoach, like, the action in Stagecoach is a lot better. I'll buy that. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of where this one this one sort of takes a, uh, a back seat. I, I think it gets a lot of praise deservedly, but I think maybe it's a little... Not necessarily overrated, but I think talking to you, Michael, now getting your perspective on it and seeing it for the first time, I really do think it is maybe a little bit overrated. How would you compare it to, and I, we, I don't know, we didn't really, we talked about it a little bit, what Westerns you guys had seen. What would you guys say is your favorite Westerns of all time? Because I think we, we mentioned it briefly in the first half, but I kind of want to like see where this sits with you compared to that. Do you guys have a favorite Western of all time? I mean, I guess we, if we're willing to sort of expand on what we count as a Western... Um, it's Star gonna... Wars. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Mandalorian. Uh, you know... <laughs> that, yeah, eh? Definitely a space Western. Yes. Um, no, um, I, I would say it's probably a three-way tie for me between the True Grit remake That's very with good. Jeff Bridges, um, Django, and... The one with Anton Sugar, Sugar, the the newer one. Um, damn, this is gonna bother me now. <laughs> it's the guy where the one where he goes around killing people with like the the like air gun for killing cattle. Oh, um, for some reason in my mind, <laughs> I thought of like, no, are you talking about like No Country for Old Men? But no, that's not right. <laughs> Because no. he just has a big silent shotgun that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's on. Yeah, yeah. No Country for Old Men. Oh, uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah. And oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He because do, he does have the yes he does have the the suppressed shotgun but he also has like the, he does the you, weird you know like thing for killing cattle. You're right. He do, I forgot. I, I always think about the suppressed shotgun because it's ridiculous. But like I for some reason I was thinking no it's. That's a different movie, isn't it? Okay, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, I, I would call that a western. So what you're saying is your favorite westerns are Coen Brother films, <laughs> essentially. Oh, oh, I think you're right. <<laughs> I think you uh, might be right. <laughs> go watch. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Or no, oh, not yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, I'm thinking that's that's the the um that's the Tarantino. Yeah. I'm thinking of um uh, Hail Caesar. I've not seen that one. You haven't seen Hail Caesar. Okay. It feels like a Western. Okay. But it's a, like, I think overall in tone. Because it's, Mm -hmm. I think the Coen brothers really do 
I think all of their movies, frankly, are probably westerns when you look at it. I think Fargo, <laughs> probably a western. No Country yeah. for Old Men, definitely a western. Obviously, True Grit is a western. Yeah. Uh, the Big Lebowski, arguably a western. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's got Sam Elliott in it, for Christ's sake. Yeah. This whole conversation is making me uncomfortable now about how many things I didn't consider to be Westerns are Westerns. Canada's not allowed to have Westerns. Take Fargo off the list. <laughs> yes. Uh, Fargo, Canada. Yes, Fargo, Canada. It's pretty much Canada. It, you know what it really is? Uh, like, I think Burn After Reading, questionable. That one may not be a Western. Uh, I'm trying to think. What's... what's... A serious man. Are we calling that one a western as well? Uh, this movie. That's a good one. You, I would, I would definitely recommend uh, a serious man. I haven't watched it since college, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's it's been a while for me too. Um, I'm trying to think of other Cohen. Oh, uh, the one where they did. Uh, uh, it's the uh, uh, the country uh, music dude. Uh, where it was. Uh, oh. Uh, oh my goodness. Oh brother, where art thou? Oh well, there's that. Yeah. Oh brother, yeah. where art thou? Yeah. Definitely, definitely a western. western. But uh, um, uh, but the the Buster other Scruggs. one. Yes. Yeah. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, Western, uh, and then there's the one where they did a one about the musician. Inside Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin Davis. I think that one's probably a western too. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I haven't it, seen that. Or it's Buster got very Scruggs western either. vibes. Okay. I. <laughs> so <laughs> did the Coen Brothers make the best westerns? <laughs> I think they the, might. They run this... a hotel chain. <laughs> oh shoot. Uh, <laughs> I really think that maybe they might they might be the ones who if if I were going to say like anyone makes a good modern western it's and it's not even modern western because the Coen brothers do like old school films. Yeah. I think they're the ones who are really carrying on the legacy of like stuff like because and the reason why I brought up Hail Caesar it feels like a western um it's got uh um you know just a whole bunch of people in it but basically it's it's like 19, like, you know, McCarthy era um, sort of hysteria about yeah. the Reds. Uh, and it's about the, you know, um, uh, uh, Josh Brolin is the head of a studio trying to keep, you know, everything in order. Like, he's one of, like, the studio men doing all this stuff. But a lot of it is, like, they've got, like, scenes from Westerns where they're making a Western. They're trying mm-hmm. to, uh, I think, uh, Alden Ehrenreich is cast as the, the main star in it. And he's like this cowpoke. He's, just, you know, got his fingers in his in his in his uh, uh in his uh, uh britches there walking around with his arms out um they hit a lot of things there where they've got in that movie uh and not to ramble too much but they, they've got musical numbers they've got comedy they've got drama they've got sort of that 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 high stakes sort of like no nonsense root and tootiness about it i think that realistically the coen brothers are the only ones who are really carrying on that John Ford like legacy? Let me, let me interject here and ask: What is a western? Because now I'm confused. And it's hard to describe because it's sort of like you've got you've got that lonesome hero sort of thing, um, where it's usually big sweeping vistas, big like so. My definition of a western, and you, and you can Alex give this too. I think that a western has to have. A grand setting, right? It has to have a big setting. Yeah. So sweeping, at least sweeping vistas, preferably in the southwest, right? Um, you have to have the the big lone protagonist who you know is going to, at least in some way, 
be the hero of the film. You have to have the girl, the love interest, whether it's his or someone else's, and you have to have basically this conflict with... It's a basic conflict, I think, where it's it's sort of the... Um, the the Americana manifest destiny, right? That's the core of, I think, the Western. If the manifest destiny is anywhere, like if you've got the sweeping vistas, you've got the big hero, you've got the girl with the love interest, and you have the manifest destiny driving everything forward, um, which I think in most of the Coen Brother films you have, because I think that's really, because they're all like Fargo. Yeah. It's in a big frontier. You've got... Maybe not manifest destiny, but you have some sort of American dream happening there yeah. where you've got like where you've got this guy who's just trying to make it in the American dream, right? And go forward and he gets wrapped up in this thing. You've got Hail Caesar. It's the the studio head trying to like kind of keep his studio in line and it's against this big backdrop of really great big things, right? I'm sorry, the American dream is is make sure you clarify it's not the guy trying to make a duck stamp, right? It's it's the car man, right? I just want to <laughs> make, make sure that I'm and, talking about the right American dream here. Mm, sure, whatever. <laughs> And, uh, like, The Big Lebowski, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's got, like, I mean, it, it's not as big of a as, of a vista, but it's set in Southern California. It, you have scenes of, like, overarching, like, part of a Western really comes into play when it's, like, the land is a character in a certain way, yeah. right? And California, the setting. the setting is a character. Yes. And I think in, in all of the Coen Brother films, I think the setting is always a character. Even in the Big Lebowski, where it's like, even if it's as small as like, yeah, you're in like this big sweeping vista of Southern California, but you've got this just dude who's trying to live out his American dream of not getting drafted and bowl. Like that's all he wants to do, and that's God bless America. That's him. He's got the he's got the girl. He gets the girl in the end, I guess, kind of, you know. And everything kind of works out for him. You've got the tragedy of his of his good friend uh, who dies uh, in, in the line of duty. He's fighting fascism. Uh, he's manifest destinying himself into not giving into the fascist. Uh, 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 you know, antagonists. I, I agree with everything you said. I would add, uh, I feel like there there should be, in a good Western, there should be an element of, you know, a man versus the world or versus society or, you know, just sort of against, you know, it could be like the changing of time, of the changing of society and Ooh, I... his his place in the world. I I like that the sort of like lonesome outcast yes. sort of deal. I and, and I think that's actually you, you kind of get into spaghetti westerns in that one because that's more of a spaghetti western thing. I I do have a strong a strong uh, lean towards spaghetti westerns. I also like spaghetti westerns. I, I grew up with more so John Wayne than Clint Eastwood in that. I I era, was but... my 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 dad was more of a Clint Eastwood fan, so uh, that that's that's what rubbed off on me. Yeah, I. Got I Sergio Leone is and mm-hmm. such. Which, as much as I, I, I do, I do, I do like to say that John Ford, like it, as you mentioned, the music in the beginning was very good. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't hold a candle to, uh, um, Morcon, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, who did all the music for for all those movies. Like, what a legend! Yeah. <laughs> I think that that was that might be the reason why I would say that maybe spaghetti westerns are better is simply because the the ones that Ennio Morricone scored were just <laughs> peak 
I think that's more in like the spaghetti westerns or more modern westerns where yeah. you have this guy, there's a lot of time, the times are changing and he's kind of stuck in the world. There's actually a couple really good John Wayne movies that are like that. There's one where I think it's Big Jake where it's set in like 1901 or something like that. And he's just this old cowboy and his grandson gets kidnapped and he's kind of got to come in and rescue him. And he's just this old school guy doing it old school. And everyone's like, they have this whole big gimmick where one of his sons has like, I've got an automatic weapon. <laughs> what about this automatic? It's like, <laughs> if you can't draw it and if you can't draw it out of your holster faster than the other guy, you're still going to die. Or like, <laughs> Oh yeah, we're not going to ride horses. We've got automobiles. Like yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like, and, he, and John Wayne's just being crotchety about it. And it's yeah. like, it like, that's the whole point of the movie where it's just like this old school guy doing everything old school or like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of another one where it was a lot like that um, that I had in my mind. So I will say, to expand it from just movies, I will say like two of my favorite pieces of Western genre media are going to be the Red Dead Redemption games, which are very much that, you know, you play a solitary protagonist and he's trying to make his way in a world that is changing around him and he doesn't know his place in it. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I also, did you ever play, um because it's very similar, Call of Juarez? No, I have not. They were kind of like proto-Red Dead. Like, they weren't quite, like, the third one, or the second one was, like, open world, kind of like yeah. Red Dead. But it was the same thing. You play, like, a couple of, like, Civil War soldiers who, like, like move out west because, like, they're alienated by everything that happened. They're just trying to make a new life and start over, right? And everything's kind of, shit hits the fan. They're outcasts. They become outlaws, all that junk. Which is actually a big plot in a lot of John Wayne movies, too, is he's this retired army veteran, or, or like, he was in the Confederate Army, and now he's, well, can't be a Confederate anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And now I've got to live out in the out in the world over here, this big, wide world, and, like, try to make it for myself. Yeah, I, I like that. I don't know, Michael, do you have a definition of what a Western is? Like... Not anymore. Not anymore. What, what? What? Before we started talking about how all Coen Brother movies are westerns, what? What um, would you have said? Maybe. Well, shoot, anything with John Wayne. So yes, yeah, Star Wars obviously is a western. Because yes. I can't remember which one he's in, but it's just his voice anyway. Um, no, I just look back to like the classic westerns where it's John Wayne shooting Indians and sometimes not Indians. I, I am very bad at describing a genre that's not fantasy um, so or horror, I guess. So to describe a Western for me is a little bit too difficult. That's fair. I don't know. what Because Alex answered, obviously this one is not, but what would you say your favorite Western you've ever seen was? <laughs> Probably The Cowboys, which is just another John Wayne film. Have you seen that one? I, he's the rancher. Yeah, he's the he's rancher. he's got and... all the kids because they're the only ones who can help him take the cattle from point A to point B. That's a really good one. That I one actually that. is quite good. And that that one does get a little dark at times, too, because it's it a does, lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like It was a weird movie for the time because that was before like you had this whole craze of like... Like in the like the eighties and like I guess late seventies where you start seeing a lot of like child focused like live action movies where mm-hmm. you've got like like um I mean I guess like you know like uh well, I guess technically like Lost Boys or like even like in like the Sandlot Goonies mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where you start seeing those like child actors doing a lot of stuff. That one was like 
yeah, we're going to take a John Wayne movie, but we're just going to, like, and there, there's still going to be, like, Indians and dangers, and, like, people yeah. are going to, like, die horribly uh, because it's a harsh landscape. But we're going to, instead of having adults drive these cat, cattle to, like, from point A to point B, it's just kids and John Wayne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's actually it's really kind good. of buck wild. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, I would definitely recommend it because it's got one of the most bone-chillingly cool lines I have ever heard in any movie. I, I have seen that because my, my mom is a big fan of John Wayne. Uh, and also, uh, like, Gunslinger Bonanza. My mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom is a huge Western fan. Uh, so I know I've seen that movie, but I don't think I've seen it since probably grade school. Dang. It's probably been a good ten years for me at least, yeah. um, but it's it. I that was one of those ones where I think it was like on repeat along with like the Man Shot Liberty Valance, uh, you know the Cowboys. I had Big Jake. I had uh, you know um, weirdly enough uh, like uh, Donovan's Reef and The Quiet Man too, which were again other like John <laughs> Fords, but like they were like clearly not like set in the West. They're like oh yes, we're just gonna set these and like one's gonna be in a tropical island and the other one's gonna be an island. But they're they're basically the same films. It's just slightly more wacky. I like the Quiet Man though. Why why, why couldn't we just watch that movie again? Because <laughs> we've I think we've all seen it. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> now I've seen it twice allegedly since all John Ford movies are the same. Eh, you know I I don't know I I it's it's that shoehorning that he does of mm-hmm. like that. Again, the the stereotypical like weird Irish vaudeville that he does mm. in all of his movies. I know maybe I just felt it worked better in The Quiet Man because they're it, Irish people. Of course, they're weird. Yes, it definitely worked better there. I I don't I don't know if I have an answer to what my favorite western of all time would be. I think probably at this point it is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Okay. Uh, and if I'm going to compare it, and 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 that, here's where we're going to wrap things up. Compared to your current. Like your your previous favorite, right? Where is the stack up? Because uh, I know I went five of five. Alex, you said four of five. Michael, you said two and a half of five. I I'm coming down a bit, and and I'll start. I think Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is a little bit better than this. I think it's more consistent in the characterizations. But I love the Searchers in that it was sweeping vistas. It was perfectly shot it had everything i wanted from a western in general terms i think some of the specifics disappointed me which i'm going to come down to from a five i'm going to come down to a four out of five i think i was going to give it a four and a half but after michael's very convincing uh i'm sorry (laughs) diatribe i think i'm going to come down a little harder on it than i normally would have because i think you made a lot of sense in what you said uh and also the coen brothers didn't direct this film so it couldn't have been good (laughs) yeah uh, it's, so I, it's not a good Western if it's not by the Coen Brothers. That's true. That's a fact. Uh, you can take that to the bank and smoke it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's where I see it. What what, what about... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let Michael, you go next. Unless we want to save you for last. Uh, I'll, I'll and, go next. And on a sour note. Um, I, clearly I'm going to drop a little bit more than half a point. Um, I wanted to like this movie when it started. I just really couldn't get into any of the characters and there were too many inconsistencies in my opinion for it to be a good western. I dropped down to 0.5 Snake Fliskins. Ooh, yeah. Wow. That's an yeah. oof. I hate to say I actually regret having watched this movie. I hate it that much. <laughs> See, I'm going to have to make him watch more westerns now because this is this is what I I, I want I want someone to have that extreme flaw. This is perfect. This is everything I wanted from this podcast. <laughs> I will come back and hate any movie you need me to, but I think 
I really had, this might be the only Western I haven't watched and liked at least a little bit. I love the scene with the wedding and that's where I'll cut off. I will, I will see the So you're giving a, a half a snake Pliskin half for the snake. wedding. It gets a snake, not a Pliskin. <laughs> not even the eye patch, huh? Mm-hmm. That's that's rough. Mm. Alex, where where, where do you end up? As I said, I'm I'm gonna come up. I'm not gonna give it a perfect five. I will give it a four point five though. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I Michael, you did make some good points, and I can't completely disagree with them. But like I, it it has been a long time, and I'm not super well versed in John Ford movies. But this is kind of the like. It, it had the feel that I kind of expected from this movie. Like, mm-hmm. you know, having seen a Ford movie before. Uh, so I, I wasn't, I guess I'm, I wasn't super surprised by sort of the, what you would call inconsistencies mm-hmm. for it. But yeah, I, you know, and I thought it was, this was John Wayne better than I expected John Wayne to be. Yeah, I I think that's where both of us differ from Michael because I really did think he until the end he just played it, and it might have been again, the bipolarness of it aside, I think that that was sort of like because if you had someone who was that crazy all the time out out there, um, mm-hmm. I think that that person would have been completely ostracized in every single way and no one would have like you. That sort of person is the person who like like uh, in the good and the bad and the ugly. It's like. It's like, oh yeah, he's he's the he's the ugly, right? No one wants to be associated with him. He's crazy. You you can't make a protagonist out of him. So I think you have to have some sort of like, yeah, he's he's breaking, not broken, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he's trying to be normal, but like he has these, I guess call it PTSD is where, like, and again, this is my suspension of disbelief on it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that I can see someone like who's been through the Civil War who's had all these horrible things happen and done to him and his family at the hands of the Indians. I can see where he would just have these breaks, mm-hmm. right? And then, like, yeah, you come back out of it. Because I know people who have had PTSD, and that seems very reasonable to me that that would be the way, because they, they act like that sometimes. Or it's just like, yeah. you can't reason with them, and then the next day they're fine, or at least on the surface fine. I think that it was more of a, if you look at it from that perspective, I think his, his character arc was great. And again, my qualm was with the ending. Uh, Mm -hmm. Otherwise I think he just, it was a very good role for him, I think. So I'll agree with you on that one, Alex. That was very good. Talking briefly about the ending. Have you seen the Sopranos? I have not. Okay. Um, um, I so I, I was going to talk sort of about that sort of ambiguousness when you get to the ending, and I I like a little ambiguity, you know. I like having something to chew on after the fact, which is you know probably I think might be why you've given it a four and I'll go four or five. I don't mind it if it's done well. I like both ways. I'm not a purist on either form. I don't think one is better than the other. I think it really just depends on the film itself. I think in this case, I just didn't, it just didn't feel right to me. Um, but I can see why you liked it. I don't know. Any final thoughts on this movie or John Ford or I guess the Coen brothers at this point? <laughs> uh, I think the only final thing I really had to say is uh, someone said, how can you not like that? Natalie Wood's in it. And I, since no one's made the joke yet, Natalie Wood was in the water longer than she was in this movie. It's funny because she drowned. That's the joke. You're welcome. Well, we'll end it on that downer. (laughs) (laughs) 
think that's a good point to cut off. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. See you guys next time, I guess. Sayonara. And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show, and I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, like that. Plus, plus, at the time. He was a monster, like that. Plus, plus, at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license.